Hi guys, welcome back to the Home with Havila podcast. Today, tune in to a special message Havila shared at the SHE conference earlier this year. The enemy is real, yes, and not to be ignored, but you were meant to win the battle and you were made to live an abundant life. Listen in as Havila breaks down how to fight the enemy and reminds you of who you are in God. This episode is going to restore hope into your day-to-day and remind you and show you how to take back what is yours. Let's go to John 10.10 10, and we'll jump in. I, uh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this word tonight, you know. I love what T.D. Jake says. He says, for you cannot defeat what you do not understand. And I love that thought. If we don't know about what's really coming at us and the assault that's really happening toward us, and if we don't know where the battle's coming from, we will not know how to fight the battles that we face. All of us are facing battles. Every single one of us is facing a battle. And what happens in the church, and I don't know if you've been in church for very long or someone drug you here, but in the church it's very unique, and your pastors know this, there's one side of the church that never talks about the devil. They just never talk about him. It's almost like he's under our feet, we're never gonna talk about him, it's a little scary, it probably has something to do with Harry Potter, and it's over here, right? And then there's another side of the church that only talks about the devil. The devil here, devil there, you know, here a devil, there a devil, everywhere a devil, devil. You sneeze and they're like, be released in Jesus' name. Sister so-and-so takes you in the back with her Jesus pin. We don't know what happens back there, probably some vomiting. But we hope that what you come back, we don't catch what you had. Do you know what I'm talking about? So there's these two kind of groups of people in the church. And what I found as I began to study warfare in the battle, I found that both sides were true. One side was that, yes, the enemy is very real and wants to hurt us, but maybe you ran out of gas because you didn't put fuel in your car, not because the devil's low on fuel. (laughs) Or maybe you aren't talking about the enemy and you think it's your spouse, and maybe it really is the enemy trying to destroy your relationship, and you keep saying, the devil's in my spouse. I'm positive. (laughs) And so what I want to do tonight is I want to give you some realization to understand the battle that you face, the battle that we face together as a culture and a community. Come on, Americans. We are in a battle in America and around the world. Come on. But what I want to do is give you life and hope that you were not meant to live and die in the battle. You were meant to win in every battle that you face. And listen, you are on the winning side. Can you just smile at me just because it makes me feel better? You are on the winning side. Listen, we're all going to die. I'm sorry, it's true. We are all going to leave the earth unless Jesus comes back. And here's the thing, we get to decide where we want to end up. It's as simple as that. And so when we decide where we're going to end up, all of a sudden we go, I'm going to end up in heaven. That's where my eternal home is. I get to have peace and grace, and I get to live on the earth knowing that this is not my final resting part. But John 10.10 says this, and of course you guys probably know this scripture. But it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you may have what? Life and life abundantly. Now, all of us kind of know this scripture because it's very spiritual warfare. I mean, if you've been in church, this is what we talk about. But I want to kind of pull it apart for you so that you can kind of understand what they were trying to teach the church and why it's important for us to understand this passage. So when it says the thief comes... I want you to understand that that word in the Greek, because the 
Old New Testament is translated in the Greek, it, the word is klepto. Everybody say klepto. It's exactly the same word that we use. Am, am I buzzing? I'm sorry. It's the same word that we use in the English language for kleptomaniac or kleptomania. So that's what it came from. And it means that there's a compulsive desire to take from you. Now listen, I, this is not going to be like one of those fluffy messages. I'm sorry. I love you. I have four children and I'm very tired. And so I'm doing the best I can. Okay? No, I'm teasing. But... The enemy, the enemy comes to steal from you. He's a thief. The, the Bible says he's an embezzler. He comes and he takes from you where it's nearly undetected, but when you turn around, you realize that you've been bankrupt emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Come on. All of a sudden, you realize you have nothing in your spiritual bank account, and you thought you were fine, and you thought it was okay, and then all of a sudden, you realize, I'm out of hope, I'm out of faith, I'm out of confidence, I'm out of healing, come on. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes to steal from us and take from us. And I love the thought, you know, when we used to travel, they would say, be careful of something called bump and lift. Do you know what I'm talking about? They said, when you go overseas, sometimes there'll be performers in the street, and as they're performing, two thieves will work in pairs, and one of them will come around next to you, and they'll bump you, and when you turn around to look at what, what they, why they bumped you, the other one will lift the goods off of you. And this is what I think the enemy is doing in our lives right now. He is bumping us so much by all the stuff that's happening in the world that while we're busy worried about something else or someone else that not the person in front of us and not the spouse God gave us and not the kids that we're trying to raise and love, but we're busy worrying about world problems that aren't the things we're called to focus everything on. We shouldn't be on the news looking at everything that's coming at us all the time. Come on. And as we're busy looking at all the statistics and all the negativity and all the critical parts, because how many of you know negative news sells? Come on. If they're like, it's all good, we'd be like, change the channel. I'm going to need some drama in my life. Our brains love drama. Our brains love negative things. And people know that, that are in the industry of entertaining people and getting people to watch. That's where money comes from. Come on. Let's, we have to be awake and aware of these type of things. And so as we're watching all of this, the enemy is lifting from us our confidence. He's lifting from us our community. He's lifting from us our ability to have hope and faith and believe that we can rebuild and we can grow again and we can change bad habits and bad way of thinking and our churches can be revived with a fresh fire and a fresh grace. And we're sitting here looking at something that God's going, am I asking you to look at that? Are you busy looking at that while you're getting bumped and lifted of all the things that I gave you in the last couple years? Come on. And then the second part of the passage says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill. And that word kill in the Greek is the word thorough. Everybody say thorough. Thorough means to sacrifice. Now, how many of you were raised in church and you thought that the devil was coming to kill you? How many, when you read, when you read that, you're like, oh, he's coming to kill me. That's what it means. I did too. I was raised in the church. And what I didn't realize is that when I began to actually study this passage, I learned that it didn't mean that he was coming to kill, but he was coming to sacrifice. Follow me on this. It means that what the enemy cannot take from you, he will convince you to sacrifice. What the enemy cannot steal from you, 
He will wear you down and wear you out and overwhelm you and discourage you and consistently hit the same part over and over and over until we finally go, I give up, I'm out. I'm out. And I understand that because that was my story. You see, I was raised in church. My dad was a traveling minister. He does what I do. And he traveled eight months out of the year. And uh, six months out of the year, we traveled as a family. I have an identical twin sister, amazingly enough. And uh, my mom, and I always said my mom, I had a, a full girl family. I was my mom, my sister, and my full Italian dad, who's almost a girl. We all lived in the same house. And we would travel, and um, I watched him, you know, be a, a leader. But I never thought that I could be a leader. I never thought I could speak. I never thought I could do any of this. And part of the reason was that at the thir in third grade, I was pulled out of my class, taken into the back room of my school, where they tested me. When I got home that night, my parents pulled me aside and said, well, we want you to know that the results came back. You're dyslexic. You have reading and comprehension issues. Um, you, you've got some learning disabilities. And so we're just going to get you through school. I don't think it's, it's going to be hard for you, they said, but we'll just be here to help you. And so that didn't seem like a big deal in third grade. But as I started to go further into junior high and high school, I began to be more and more illiterate. In fact, by the time I hit high school, I could not read out loud. You could not read my handwriting. Um, I was... I was spending all of my energy trying to hide. I was humiliated. And see, that was so opposite of the family that I came from. My grandfather was an Italian immigrant that came over from Staten Island to New York City. He lived in a one-bedroom apartment with his five siblings, put himself through law school, and eventually became Supreme Court Justice of New York State four terms. It, praise God, yes. I wish I had something to do with that too, but I don't. But anyway. I came from that kind of fighter family. All of my family was highly educated, highly successful, and I was the girl that was failing in school and couldn't get it together. So at school, I tried to fit in. At church, I tried to stay under the radar. And one night, some guys picked my sister and I up to go to a party. And while we're in the back seat of this convertible Mustang, going to this party, listening to 90s R&B, you have to be there to understand what you're listening to. We're in the back. And all of a sudden, I hear the voice of God speak to me. It wasn't audible, but it was that clear, still, small voice. And he says this to me, Havilah, what are you doing? And I knew it was him because I had been in church and I was familiar with the, his presence and his voice. That's why it's valuable to be in church with your family. Because when God starts calling your kids, you want them to feel familiar with the voice. And so all of a sudden, I know I should say something. I don't know what to say. So I tell the guy in the front, can you turn the music down? So the guy turns the music down. And I'm 17. I have no impulse control. I have not practiced this. I don't know what I'm going to say. So I shout out in the darkness of this car, I have a call of God on my life. To which is dead silence. It is so awkward. There's no piano player. There's no pastor. Amen, sister. We're with you. Nothing. But when I say it, Immediately I begin to cry because I know I'm deciding to follow the call of God in my life and I'm making a line in the sand. There is something about when we choose to be all in. Something happens in our lives. When we stop trying to play both sides, but we pick a team, come on, 
all of a sudden I began to weep because I knew the power of God was in the car. And I'm telling these guys, which is a total buzzkill, I'm telling them I have a call of God in my life. And then I realized, oh my gosh, my sister is with me. No, I have an identical twin sister. Like we are mere twins. Like, I'm left-handed, she's right-handed, we sound alike, we look alike, from the back we are exactly the same person. We were married six months apart, our first babies are nine days apart. Our second babies are three weeks apart. And our third babies are three months apart. And they all have the same dad. No, I'm kidding, they don't, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He wishes, he wishes, no. Um, So, so I look at, I mean, I look at Deborah, my twin sister, and I don't know if she's like, I'm going to kill you. You are ruining this whole night for us. But when I look over her, she's weeping. So we're both crying in the car. And then I tell the guys in the front, um, I, I'm and through a broken voice, like, I'm, I'm going to serve God. You're welcome to come with me if you want, but this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> to which they said nothing, like nothing. Like nothing. I look out the window and I realize that they have driven us home without us asking. We did not go to the party. They were like, we still have time to get those other girls if we hurry. <laughs> so I climb out of the car very sheepishly. I walk into the house. My parents are asleep. I, I get into my bedroom and I kneel down by my bed at 17. And I say this prayer, God, I'm not much. I'm young, 17. I'm a girl. Don't know if that's going to help you or not. And I have no special gifts. In fact, I feel like I'm more of a liability than anything. But if you can use anyone, you can use me. I'm available. That was 20. That was 25 years ago at that moment I said yes to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, even tonight before I got up to speak, I still remember my yes. I still remember that part of me that said yes to him. And here's the thing. The enemy was not taking from me. He was convincing me to give everything away because I didn't see the value that I held. And for many of you right now in your life, the enemy is not stealing from you. You are giving it away because you don't think you have value. You don't think you have what it takes. You think you've messed your life up or you think that you can't fix it from here or you don't know what to do from here. And what I want to say to you is the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about how to fight your enemy because I want to give you some practical tools. It sounds great to say that, but here's what I want you to understand. Apostle Paul began to teach the church about fighting, and I'm not going to have you turn there, but I'm going to say it. In Ephesians 6.16, he's talking to the church, and he says this, in addition to all of this, take up the sword, take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I have a little bit of a, I, I promise I'll be careful with this, Mom. But I have this. Now, what he's telling them is this. Don't get nervous, Mom. It's okay. Roman soldiers would, would practice battle. And when they practice battle, they would practice twice a day. 
In fact, if you were in that culture, you would have seen Roman soldiers walking around in their armor with their swords, and they would have been carrying their swords, and they would have practiced with their practice sword. But the sword was twice as heavy as the sword they used in battle. So they used this, this sword, for endurance and strength. But when it came to the actual battle, it was very much like this sword. It was very much like a dagger. And they were taught never to cut and slash, but to stab. In fact, theologians will tell you that they were taught to let the sword go in only about two inches and to defeat their enemy with as little effort as possible. In fact, they said, we practice with endurance and strength, but in the battle, we quickly defeat our enemy. And Paul tells the church this so clearly. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when we hear which is the word of God, how many of you thought Bible? Word of God. How many of you? Okay, good. That's, you're right. There's no trick questions. Okay, Bible. But you know, when he says this in the passage, he doesn't say Bible. He says word of God. And in the Greek, there were two definitions when it said word of God. We translate it the same way in all of scripture, but there were really two words that were used specifically in passage. The first word that was used was the word logos. Everybody say logos. So logos means the entire written word of God. If I said, hey, can you hand me my logos? You could hand me my Bible, and that would be appropriate. But that's not what Paul says. He doesn't say logos. He doesn't say pick up your logos, which is the word of God. He uses another word. He uses the word rhema. Everybody say rhema. Rhema means a quick and specific word of the spirit. So Paul says, don't use your logos in battle. Use your quick and specific word of the spirit. You see, we have to grow in our logos, with endurance and strength, but our rhema is what comes from the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Well, I just want to give you a, an idea. When Jesus was on the earth, he spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. And right before he went into full-time ministry, he was called into the desert by the Holy Spirit to fast and to pray. While he's fasting and praying, the enemy, it says on the 40th day, the enemy comes to tempt Jesus. Now, at this moment, Jesus is fully God but fully man, which means he's weak and he's empowered. He hears the Father's voice. He's fully empowered to be the Son of God, but he also has all the same weaknesses that we do, the Bible says. And so the enemy comes to him and he says, hey, you see those rocks right there? Turn those in to warm bread. No, he doesn't say warm. I added that, but I think all bread should be warm. Anyway, bread. Now, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. How many of you have ever fasted for 40 days? Just wave at me, 40 days. How many of you have ever done a week of fasting, juice fast? How many of you missed dinner and you can barely concentrate? Okay, all right, good. So, Jesus looks at him and he says this. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil comes to him again. He says, listen, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands, so you will not strike your foot against the stone. And then Jesus says, but it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. And then he says again, 
He says, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. We can get this all over with. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What is happening? And I'm going to break it all down, I promise. I'm giving you a lot, but this is important. The devil comes to fight Jesus, to tempt Jesus, to hurt Jesus. And he says, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus goes, no, no, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. He quotes not just the entire logos, he takes a quickened and specific spirit, and he, and he, a swift spirit word, and he deals with the enemy. Then the enemy goes, well, you know, if that didn't work, let me quote scripture at you and see if you'll do it. So Jesus goes, for the, the devil goes, hey, Jesus, it is written that you, you know, and he begins to talk to him. See, this is important. If we don't know what God is, his spirit is on, if we don't know what word the spirit is on, we can use scripture to put us in bondage rather than be free. And oftentimes people will use scripture to control your behavior rather than give life to your soul and spirit. And so this is why you walking with God and knowing what God is saying and being able to hear his voice is critical because you need to know what the spirit of God is saying, not just, not just repeating what the logo says. Do you know that the quickened, spirit, the quickened word of the spirit is not some hobby lobby sign in your house? It's something that has life on it. You know it when you feel it. It comes in your spirit and you go, that has the life. That's what, that's what I'm supposed to say. And the, the spiritual picture that I see in the spirit is Jesus is weak and he's vulnerable and the devil comes to him. And, and if you could just imagine, the enemy comes to tempt him and to hurt him and to break him down. And the Holy Spirit, I could just see Jesus reaches behind the Holy Spirit, gives him a quick and specific word, as little effort as possible. It is written and defeats the enemy. Again, it is written, defeats the enemy. Again, it is written, defeats the enemy. And the Bible says, finally, the enemy just had to leave. See, for some of you right now, you are in a battle. Yes, we are all in a battle. But for some of you, you have not been winning at your battles. You've been dealing with them. You've been hanging out with them. You've been hoping they'd go away. You've been crying them away. And here's the truth. I'm sorry, but we are called to rise up and fight the spiritual battles we are in. If, if COVID taught us anything, COVID taught us that it is not our pastor's responsibility to fight our battles. If COVID taught us anything, it is not our parents, come on, it's not our parents' battle or our spouse's battle or our boss's battle. It is our battle because the battle is within. And the battle is a war between life and death, heaven and hell, right and wrong. There is a battle on the inside of you. And many of you are standing at the door and you are not fighting and you are saying, I don't know why I don't feel powerful and I don't know why I'm not free and I don't know why I don't feel excited about my life. Sweetheart, it's because you are sitting at the battle and you were made for war and you're standing watching. You're standing going, I wish somebody would rise up and fight that battle. You know, that really annoys me. I wish somebody was, you know, I hate it when they don't talk about that or do that. And I'm saying, would you rise up? Stop waiting for someone to rise up. You rise up. You go, well, I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm that gifted or that called. Welcome to the party, sweetheart. The disciples were a mess. And Jesus goes, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Because they were surrendered to him. They wanted his will. So God wants to give you and I a specific word of the Spirit. I want to break this down for you and just show you how this works. So when I was a young woman, 
I did not expect to go into ministry at all. In fact, my sister and I were house cleaners. So we would clean homes for about five days a week and we had these big homes and we would go in and we would clean these homes and pretty soon we began to get invited to speak different places and so we would clean on the weekdays and then take the fuel from speaking and we would drive around and we would speak at camps and conferences, groups of 10 or maybe 12. If revival came, there was 15 people there. And we would just, we loved it. We were 17, 18, 19 and we were just loving our life, ministering and we just didn't know any better than to do it. We just, God was just so real in our lives and we wanted everybody to know it because that's real faith, right? And so all of a sudden, I, we got invited to go to a church in another state. And that was like, I had made it. It was the big deal. Like, I'm going to another state, Utah. Like, you, can you believe I'm going to Utah? It's amazing. Like, I just signed the check. I'm out. Like, this is it. This is my retirement. Like, no, but this is my mind as a 19-year-old. So we go to Utah, and they have a youth group come, and there's 130 people, which was the biggest group I'd ever spoke to, and all of a sudden, we minister, and the Spirit of God breaks out, and we're praying, and we're prophesying, and it's just powerful. Well, a month later, that church heard about it, that, this, another church heard about that church and invited us to Arizona. So we go to Arizona. I am now on a world tour. It's unbelievable. So now I'm in Arizona and I'm doing the exact same thing that I did in Utah. Preaching the same message, gonna pray the same way, gonna believe for the same thing. And halfway through the message, the, the, the youth leader comes up and he interrupts and he takes the mic and he closes the service down. I thought it was strange, but I've never done ministry. I don't know, maybe that's how they do it, I don't, I don't know. So we go to dinner that night and as we're sitting at dinner that night, I asked the youth pastor, what did you think of tonight? And he said, do you really want to know? Now, I would like to give you a little secret. When somebody says, do you really want to know, you should say no and run. <laughs> it's a warning. So I said, yeah, I'd like to know. And he goes, I don't believe in anything you did tonight. I don't believe in your message. I don't believe in women speaking. And if I had known what you were going to bring, and because I wasn't the one that invited you, I would have never had you. Just a wonderful, beautiful dinner. Have you ever had someone say something to you where it feels like they knock the wind out of you and you, you have no response? You ever had that feeling like you have no, like the oxygen has just been taken out of the room? And I remember sitting there and my eyes were filling up with tears and I thought, I'm not gonna cry and give them that. I just could feel this like, so I ran home, my parents were in another hotel, my dad was speaking at another church, and I woke them up and I told him the exact story that I just told you. And he looks at me and I'm sobbing through this story and he said he, he, doesn't like, he didn't like anything we brought and he doesn't believe in women and if he had known what we were gonna bring, he would have never had us. And my dad looked at me and he said something that has forever marked my life. He said, well, I guess you get to decide if man called you or God called you. And he was right. But I would be lying if I said that those were the words that stuck with me for the next 10 years. Because they weren't. I still continue to minister. I still got invited. In fact, our invitations grew and the crowds grew. But every time I would get up to speak, all I could think about was that man's words. They would never have you if they knew what they were gonna get. Nobody believes in what you're doing. You're such a fraud, you're such a fake, you can't do this. You're uneducated, you're dumb, you're young. 
you're a woman. And I remember I would almost fight it initially like a weird you know, fly that won't leave you alone. But then eventually I would go into this anxiety spiral where I would sit there and I would feel anxious that I felt anxious. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then I would get this sick feeling. Every time I would get invited, I knew that if I, invite, if I take the invite, I would have to go into the battle and I didn't want to battle anymore. And I remember at one point I told God, I don't want to battle anymore. Like, I hate this. I hate the anxiety. I want to trust you. I love you. I'm laying my life down for you, but like, I can't do this anymore. And I heard his, I heard his voice so clearly tell me to go to the book of Timothy. And when I opened the book of Timothy, I read the words of Paul, and Paul was writing to a young man named Timothy. And he said this, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. And when I read those words, it was literally like the Holy Spirit put a sword in my hand. And I didn't know what to do with it, I just knew that was the words that I needed to read. But when I got up to preach the next time, I'm sitting in the front row and the enemy comes knocking again. You're such a fraud. You're such a fake. Nobody wants you here. You're so ridiculous. You're so big. You're so, I mean, all the things. I don't know if you know, but the enemy doesn't have a lot of words and he just uses all the same ones against all of us. And he's just, it's just this, do you know what I'm talking about? That just back, da 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 That's like a ticker that goes around and around and around and around. And I'm getting anxious and I'm starting to feel like I want to leave and I don't want to do this and I feel like I might throw up and I'm having this battle. And all of a sudden I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Havilah, use your sword. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, use the sword. And I remember closing my eyes in the front row and I said, enemy, I will not let you look down on me, but I will set an example. And if you hang out here, I'm gonna make you the example. And I'll tell you what, when I used, it is written, the Bible says, when I used that, it was like this, the ceiling shattered over my mind and heart. It was like everything that had been bound for 10 years over my heart and mind and the loop I had had over and over. When I used the scripture, it was like all of a sudden the enemy had to shut up and leave because if he didn't, I could take authority over him. And listen, some of you right now, there is a lie that is knocking at your door every morning and every afternoon and every night, and that lie is coming at you. And of course, we can't see it, but you know it. It's like a visitor in your home. It comes at you at night. It comes at you in the morning when your defenses are down, when you don't know what to do. And let me tell you, there's been a few lies that have made its way into our hearts and minds and our souls in this very season. And what God wants to do is not, you need to stop waiting for God to kick them out and you need to get your sword and you need to shut the enemy up. And you need to say, you know what? I'm not what I used to be. I might not be where I wanna be, but I'm not what I used to be. Come on, I'm not, I'm, I may not be a, a perfect person, but you know what? I'm doing my best and I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And he that lives, come on, lives in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I will be alert and I will be awake. And enemy, you keep coming at me. And Holy Spirit, you keep giving me the rhema word. I'm not cutting and slashing, hoping I have the right word. I have the right word. Listen, I love you. And I would not normally say this in church. And I would not normally say this in the, on the road. But I'm telling you, we are in a fight for our spiritual lives right now. Look at me. 
look at me. We have never been at a place like this in America. We have never been at a place like this in this city. We have never been in a place like this in this church. And I believe the Spirit of God is asking you to rise up to link arms with your brothers and sisters and say, I'm not out on this one. I'm not sitting this one out. I'm in the game. I, I may not be able to hit a home run, but I can hit a base hit. I can serve. I can love. I can honor. Come on. I can become. Listen, the enemy wants you to have discouragement on you. You haven't been discouraged this year? Come on. You don't think I've dealt with discouragement and depression and anxiety and fear? Come on. You're not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you're alone. You're the only one and nobody else. And the battle is yours and you're never going to get a victory. Listen, the enemy is a liar. He's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says he's got your kids. No, he doesn't. He says he's got your marriage. No, he doesn't. He says he's got your finances. No, he doesn't. He said that he's going to control the world with the disease. Good try. Because I have a God that came to heal, deliver, and set free. Come on. Come on. A God that came to heal, deliver, and set free. And some of you need to get it off of you. Come on. There's this dark clock. Come on, there's this cloud. How many of you are ready to get it off of you and say, I'm tired of all of this fear. I'm tired of all this pain. I'm tired of this depression. I'm tired of this anxiety. I'm tired of all these worries and all the things that I need and should and want and all that. And I'm gonna stand up as a daughter of God. I'm gonna rise up. And some of you, I love you, but you need to get aggressive with the devil. You're, you're playing with a rat. Come on, you're not playing. It's not God and the devil warring. It's God and a fallen angel with a God complex. So you rise up and you tell the enemy, go to hell. Go to hell. Because heaven is happening here. Heaven is happening here. Heaven is happening here. Heaven is happening here. Good try. We see you. We identify you. And you are defeated. I want to ask you tonight. Close your eyes for just a minute, just to cut out distractions. I know many of us, we have a lot coming at us, but I want to take a minute to respond tonight, just a minute. Some of you tonight, you would say, you know, Havala, you talked about going public in the backseat of the car. You talked about stepping out and saying, I'm following Christ. And some of you in this room, you have never made a public declaration that you are following Jesus Christ. Sure, you may have said it under your breath. You may have walked up with somebody, maybe even your parent prayed, but you know I have never gone public with my faith. And you know what? I want to go public. I want, I want the host of heaven to know I'm with Jesus and I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm bankrupt mentally and emotionally and spiritually and I, I want to make a change. I want to follow Jesus for the first time. If I've never really done it, even if people think I have, but I want to go public tonight. If that's you, would you courageously lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to go public tonight. Good. Hands all over the room. Yep. Hands all over the room. You're not alone. So many hands. I love it. Some of you tonight would say, you know, Havala, I have served God, but you know what? I lost my faith this season. 
I lost my walk with God. In fact, I'm here, but I'm going through the motions, but I, I am not following Jesus Christ. He is not the Lord and Savior of my life. I am the Lord and Savior, and he's hanging out, and I'm tired. I want him to come in and lead this, lead this journey. I want him to be Lord and Savior. I want to come home. I want to repent. I want to, I want to change my life. I'm ready for that. And if that's you, and you want to come home, and you want to wake up in your spiritual life, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Yep. Yep. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to be very brave. If you raise your hand for one of those reasons, I want to ask you just to stand, just to stand right now, wherever you are. If you raise your hand for one of those reasons, don't be afraid. Don't bow down to fear, guys. We got to get fear off of us tonight. We've got to get fear off of us tonight. Come on. I would be standing with you too at different seasons right now. You stand. Yep. Just stand right where you are. I want you just to lift your hands right now. Listen, it takes so much courage to stand up and say, I'm doing this. And I just, I want to commend you, but I also believe the Spirit of God is going to reward you for your honesty. And so I want to pray for them. If you're sitting next to them, you can put your hand on them or just stretch out your hand towards these amazing women. Lord, I speak life over every single one of these hearts. Lord, I thank you that you knew who they were called to be from the very beginning and that you've called them out of darkness into your marvelous light. And I ask that you would revive their hearts and their minds and their soul. Would you revive their spirit once again to be the follower that you called them to be? I come against the lies of hell. I come against the lies of sickness and depression and anxiety. And I ask right now for a spirit of breakthrough to come over their hearts and minds right now. I want you to say this out loud. We can say it together. Jesus. Say it out loud together. Jesus. I believe you are who you said you are, and you can do what you said you could do. I want you, everyone say it, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need a Savior. I need you. Come into my life. I surrender to you. I trust you. Help me to follow hard after you. Let's just stand and join these amazing women. I want to ask one other thing before we go into worship. Just everyone can stand right where you are. Some of you, you would say, I heard the message tonight, but I don't have a rhema word. Like, I saw how your rhema word made sense for your story, but like, Havala. I need a rhema word. Like, I need something that's going to carry me. I, I have a favorite Bible verse, but that's not my rhema word. Like, I need a word that when the enemy comes, I can shut him up. I need something fresh. How many of you would say, that's me? I need a rhema word in this season. Yeah, look at the majority of us. I want us to lift our hands for a minute, and I'm going to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come in the midst right now, that he would wake up your spirit, your spirit talking to spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would wake up these amazing women. God, you would revive our hearts, that, Lord, we would get the word of God in us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I ask that you would wake us up right now in the spirit. You would wake up our hearts. You would wake up our minds. God, that we would hear from you. Jesus, drop a word in our heart that the enemy cannot take or that we can shut the enemy up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, reach out. Lift your voice. Talk to 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and the word that Havila brought. You definitely need to stay tuned because we have some exciting things coming up just for you. Now, the only way you're going to hear about them is if you're following us on socials or if you're on our email list. So make sure you go to at truth to table, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and then go subscribe to our email list at truth to We cannot wait to hear what you thought about this episode. Make sure you take a screenshot, post it to your story and tag us. We will share it and we will love it. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. We will see you on the next one.